Welcome to the podcast for Windsor Road Baptist Church. Prepare your heart to receive God's message. Christ is risen. Very good, very good. We're continuing our series in the book of Luke. And uh, it, it must be 20 years ago, but I can still remember it. And there's not many, many things I can remember from 20 years ago. But it was a, a Bible study and... I just was sharing that there was a young mum in the church who had breast cancer uh, and she'd been in remission and we just heard news that she once again got the breast cancer uh, and we were sharing that in, in this group. And, and just as I was saying, we, we should pray for her. Uh, one of the older guys in the group banged the table and said, that's just not right. And, and he started to tear up and he says, he was saying, young mums should not get breast cancer. Young children should not lose their mothers. That is just not right. And he said it with such passion that I've never forgotten it, but, but also just the group was, was just sort of set on edge by, by this passionate response to, to this injustice. Uh, and and it, Doug's reaction re- reminds me a, a bit of, of, the, of the, the story that Jesus tells here. Just click on the first slide, thanks, Shah. In, uh, in Luke chapter uh, 18, which we're, we're looking at this morning, the story that Jesus told. Uh, starting from verse 2, uh, he says, In a certain town there was a judge who neither feared God nor cared what people thought. And there was a widow in that town who kept coming to him with the plea, Grant me justice against my adversary. For some time he refused. But finally he said to himself, even though I don't fear God or care what people think, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will see that she gets justice so that she won't eventually come and attack me. And the Lord said, listen to what the unjust judge says. And will not God bring, upon, bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will see that they get justice and quickly. However, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? To be a, a widow in that civilization, in that society, was probably the most powerless person in that, in that society. So it was a very patriarchal society, and if you, if you didn't have a husband, uh, you, you, couldn't, you weren't supposed to work. Uh, so women couldn't work, so there was destitution for them. Uh, and it seems that this, this widow was, was even uh, more desperate, that she had nobody who could even represent her in court. Normally a woman would have a, a man represent her in court and she, she didn't even know a man who would, would do that for her. Uh, and so she is at the, the, the very edge, the very extreme, the very oppressed, the picture of the very extreme depressed person. Uh, in contrast to that was the judge, who is one of the most uh, highly respected members of the community, very powerful, very wealthy. And this judge is even worse because uh, Jesus tells us that this judge has 
No, no concern for what God thinks or what people think about him. And so he has totally no moral compass. He, he, he's got no, no compassion at all. He doesn't, he's not accountable to God and he's not accountable to, to other people. And, and so his heart is as cold as the bathroom floor at 2am in the morning. And this woman comes to him pleading for justice. And she could easily despair and easily just think there's no way that there's, there's, to start with there's this great imbalance that leads to injustice, great imbalance in power. And, and on top of that, I've got this corrupt judge. I'll just, just go home and, and give up and let my adversary uh, conquer me. But we read that that's not what happens. We hear that the woman begins to bother the judge. She has this, this persistence, this, this not give up attitude and she keeps coming in day after day and, and placing her case before the judge again and, and again and, and presumably at the start he, he doesn't even look up from his notes as he dismisses her, no, get out, no case, no case, no case. But then it begins to annoy him and, and then he begins to get angry but there's a point where he begins to feel embarrassed. She keeps coming in here. He keeps, and and it, it gets to the point where eventually he says, okay, you can have justice. And, and, and so that she won't eventually come and attack me. Um, now, the, the word that's translated, or the words that's translated attack me, is literally that she will give me a black eye. That's literally what it says in the Greek. And you can see the translators are going, they've tried to interpret that by saying, well, you know, maybe she, he's frightened that she's going to come in and assault him, but that doesn't seem very likely to me. Uh, so, but we also know that in those days, to talk about loss of face, to talk about being shamed publicly was to blacken someone's face. Like we talk about blackening a name these days. When those days it was, we know for sure it was blackening your face. And, and many commentators suggest that what it's actually saying is the black eye is that she was shaming him publicly. And he was frightened that, that his reputation would be damaged by this woman's persistence in coming to him for justice. And to me that makes a lot more sense than the idea that he was frightened that she was going to punch him out. Uh, he, he really believed that he was, she was damaging his reputation. And so she prevailed. And this, is a, this parable is a classic example of the Jewish argument of if this is true, then so much more will this be true. And so that the parable says, you know, if, if it's true of this unrighteous judge that he would grant the request of this poor and humble widow, how much more will your Father in heaven, who loves you as his children, grant your requests? if you will come to him in prayer in the way that this widow does. And so the challenge for us, the, the message that, that Jesus is conveying in the story is that you should always keep praying. Always keep praying. That because, you know, even if an unrighteous judge will grant the requests of a humble widow, so much more your Father in heaven will grant your requests so Always pray, always keep praying. And the message for us is that, that's back to verse one. No, it's not going to go back. 
Um, Luke doesn't normally introduce parables. Normally it's just Jesus told this parable, Jesus told this parable. But it was so important that Luke wanted to get that message across that he actually introduces it. And he says, and he told them this parable to the effect that they would also pray. And then he, he tells the story. And so Jesus, this is a crucial teaching about prayer. So important that Luke didn't want us to miss it. And so we should pray continually and, and pray always. And we should be praying for young mums with breast cancer. And we should be passionate about that. We should be praying for, for long, people who are suffering from long-term illness whether that be ourselves or, or for others. We, we, shouldn't, we should not give up praying for them. Uh, for our non-Christian friends and relatives, we, we should keep praying. We should not give up praying for those two people to come and know Jesus as their Saviour and Lord. For that, for that injustice in your workplace, that long-standing problem that's been going on for, for, for year after year, you don't give up Keep praying that God will, will bring justice. For that worldwide situation, for the situation in the Ukraine, we, we, shouldn't, we, we shouldn't give up. We should keep praying. That's the message. But of course, you've already begun to tune out because we know this stuff. You've been told how many times that the Bible teaches us that we should pray. The question is, why when we know that we should be praying and we should not give up, don't we pray? Well, the importance of this parable is that it gives us a clue. It gives us an answer. Luke, in his little introduction there, gives us a vital insight into why we struggle to be faithful in prayer. It says, and he told them the parable to the effect that they should always pray and not lose heart. And the word translated, should not lose heart, has as part of it the word bad. And it literally means to not give in to the bad. The reason we keep praying is because we don't give in to evil. We don't give in to the badness. We don't give in to the brokenness of this world. We don't despair that there is nothing that can be done about women, who, young mums who get breast cancers and wars in, in foreign places that, that cause problems and, and, and all of the things that we're tempted to give up praying about. We don't give in to the bad. Normally when we think about our flimsy prayer lives, we, we think in terms of lack of willpower. We just don't try hard enough. Or we might think about a, a lack of... Uh, technique, that there's some sort of prayer technique, some prayer we could pray or some book we could read that would, would enable us to have you know, a, a fruitful and, and vibrant and persistent and committed prayer life. But that's not actually the case. The reason we don't pray is because we give in to the bad. We, we, we are resigned, in a sense, to the way things are which is in sharp contrast to the woman in the, in the parable. Here is a woman who hasn't given up, who doesn't despair, who is not resigned. She is rebelling against the world. She's going, this is not right. I will not be silent. I will not give in to the bad. I will persist in asking for the good. I will be passionately coming before my judge and my master and continuing to ask for this justice to be done. 
in contrast to, to the rebellion against the way the world is that the woman exerts, we have resignation. We have prayerlessness. And that is actually a theological issue in the truest sense of the word. A theological issue of the truest sense of the word. It's about our understanding of God. You see, if we, if we just resign to the fact that the world is the way it is and there's nothing we can do to change it, we're actually saying God is either not powerful enough to do something about it, or worse still, he just doesn't care. And when we believe that, we become functional atheists. Even though we might say, I believe in God, functionally, we don't believe in God because the God we believe in then either has no power or no compassion. So what sort of God is that? In contrast to that, well, that, it's that type of belief is more akin to Islam than it is to Christianity. Uh, the word Islam means submission. Muslims do not pray in any way like Christians do in terms of seeking to change the mind of God. The, what they pray is that they can cope with the will of God. One of the things Muslims say is, Inshallah, as God wills. I can't change God's will, but all I can do is submit to God's will. Now, everything is fixed effectively. There's no use me asking God to, do, to change anything. And Buddhism is even more extreme than that. It says there's absolutely nothing you can do to change what's going to happen in the world. The only thing you can do is to learn to live with it. And so you pray, if you do pray, that you will learn how to cope with, the, with karma, whatever happens in your life. In contrast to that, when the disciples came to Jesus and said, teach us to pray, he said to them, pray, your kingdom come, your will be done. That is a prayer for change. That is a prayer that says the world is not the way it should be, so God, come with your kingdom. May your reign, may your will come and begin to transform this world from what it is into what it should be. That's a Christian prayer, and that's a distinctive aspect of Christian prayer, this idea that we would petition God to change the world because we are not resigned to accepting that things are the way they are and there is nothing we can do to change them. But instead of praying, we complain. Instead of speaking to God about what is wrong with the world and what is wrong with our spouse and what is wrong with our children and what is wrong with our church and what is wrong with our workplace, we talk to other people about it. And guess what? They can't do anything about it. What a difference it would make if we took the time that we spend complaining about things and actually use that to pray. Now that would make a difference. But we tend just to give up. We just resign. We just say, well, the world is the way it is. Young mum get breast cancer. Wars happen. Our non-Christian friends and relatives will never become Christians. My workplace will never get better. 
but instead we should live with this promise. There's so much more promise that is in this parable. Jesus says, I tell you, he, God, will see that they get justice. He will see that they get justice and quickly. Now, I don't know about you, but that's a little bit puzzling to me for him to say and and quickly because isn't that the very essence of the problem that the, the, the woman goes to the judge for justice and she doesn't get it? And it's actually, she has to keep coming back, she has to keep waiting in order to get justice. The justice is not quick. But we need to remember that there's different ways of understanding what quickly means. One understanding of quickly is, I ask and I get. The other understanding of quickly is, I ask and I wait, and then suddenly the prayer is answered. And that makes a whole lot more sense to me. It's almost that the prayer is asked and you wait and you wait and you wait and then God, unexpectedly, God quickly brings the answer to your prayer. One of the best examples of this I've thought I can remember is communism, the collapse of communism and the bringing down of the wall. I know that for decades that the the church in Eastern Europe was being persecuted by, by the communist authorities. And the church in the West was praying for the, the, the collapse of the, or for the easing of the persecution for our brothers and sisters in, in Eastern Europe. And my memory of it is, is quite clear that it, was, it always seemed to say, you know, that there was no, there was no hope, that they, are, they were always going to be persecuted, that the Russians were growing stronger and stronger, the Soviet oppression was greater and greater. Then all of a sudden, one day, the war came down. And all of a sudden, the persecution was lifted and the church began to flourish. And I think that's what it is. You, 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 you pray and you pray and you pray and you pray and you pray. And then all of a sudden, quickly, God acts. Heard a, a different story on a, on a much smaller scale last, last week. So there is a Jin Jin Baptist church. Anybody ever been there? Yeah, okay, all right, all right. So they've been without a pastor for, for many, many years. Jin Jin's a little country town, Bundaberg. West of Bundaberg, yeah. A little country town, little struggling church. Many years, they've just been limping along. They haven't been able to afford a pastor. Finally, a couple of years ago, and I'm sure, you know, for decades, they've been praying that they would be able to call a pastor and be able to, to mobilise the church and get moving again. Uh, but for, for, for 20-odd years, apparently, it's just been hard yakka, hard work, praying week in, week out. Anyway, about six months ago, they were able to call a pastor. Last weekend, they had three baptisms. They wait and they pray and they pray and they pray and they pray and then suddenly God acts. Also heard the story of, of a friend of ours or a couple that we know, Steve and Lisa West Newman. So they um, missionaries in Cambodia. That's how we, we got to know them when they were in Australia. But Steve, became, Steve came from a non-Christian family and became a Christian at university. Uh, and his father didn't warm to his Christian faith at all and, and you know, was quite antagonistic towards Steve, Steve's faith. But apparently every morning, every morning, Steve would pray that his father would come to know Jesus as his Saviour and Lord. 35 years. 35 years praying every day. And then six months ago, Steve's dad agreed to do the Alpha course and became a Christian. Three weeks ago, he got baptised. 
Dyer shared a similar story about her dad a couple of weeks ago, praying for year after year after year, coming before the judge day after day after day, bringing your case, and then suddenly God acts in response to faithful prayer. And so if there's any day when we should renew our prayer life, it's Easter Sunday. Because we have, you know, the most amazing, unbelievable, impossible event that we celebrate every year. If Jesus rose from the dead, then we should never give up praying for our non-Christian friend and relative to know him as as his saviour. Because Jesus rose from the dead, we should never stop praying about that health issue that we have or that somebody we know has. Because Jesus rose from the dead, we can continue to pray that that workplace situation, which has been a pain in the backside for so many years, will resolve itself. Because Jesus rose from the dead, we don't give up praying. The parable actually ends in a quite unexpected way. Given it's about prayer, Luke has said this is a story about prayer, and given it seems to be about prayer all of the way, but strange when it gets to the end when it says, when the Son of Man, so when Jesus is saying, so when, when I come back again, will I find faith on earth? You know, if, if I did it, you'd be expecting that to end with, will you find prayer on earth? When the Son of Man returns, when Jesus returns, will he find his people praying? But that's not what it says. When Jesus returns, will he find faith? And the reason is because faith or prayer is faith expressed. Our prayer springs from our belief about God or should spring from our belief about God. If we believe God is like the unrighteous judge, well, we don't bother praying. But if you believe that God is a loving father who is waiting expectantly to answer, hear the prayers of his children so that he can respond to them in a way that unexpectedly he can shock us and surprise us, then we pray. Our prayers are a sign of our faith. And so we always keep praying. Let's pray now. Lord, we thank you that you are the almighty God and you can do incredible things. That you can raise Jesus from the dead and that you can heal a, a mum with cancer. You can uh, restore, uh, bring a, a non-Christian who's a long way from God close to you. That you can sort out that workplace situation. And Lord, we pray that you'll help us to be persistent in prayer like the widow, that we won't lose heart, that we won't give up, that we will be constantly reminded of who you are and constantly reminded that you act because you are just and that we should pray and not give up. And so, Lord, we just now in our hearts, we bring before you that, that long-term prayer. Maybe we've given up on this. Maybe we used to pray about this a lot. But we've grown tired of waiting and 
We didn't deliberately decide to stop praying it, but we, we don't do it anymore. We don't pray. We don't ask. We've given up. But Lord, this morning we reignite that faith. We reignite our belief in you, that you are compassionate and you are powerful and you can do this. Lord, restore our faith, restore our prayer. In Jesus' name, for his glory we ask. Thanks for listening. We hope that you have been blessed by the message. Windsor Road Baptist Church is a growing intergenerational and international community of people committed to whole life discipleship. Please visit us at windsorroad.org.au to connect with us and to learn more about our church.